visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Hello and welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie So. Up this hour, we have Ear to the Ground, where Andrew Ryan will bring you a fascinating sound from Taiwan. And then we have some beautiful classical Chinese music for you on jade bells and bamboo pipes. But first, join us for Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Wednesday, November 6th, and in the studio we have Jake Chen. Hello. Paula Chow. Hello. And I am Natalie So. Now, the U.S. and Taiwan are starting talent exchanges and tech giant. TSMC founder Morris Zhang shares some insights from his U.S. education. Also, how much are people in Taiwan exercising? We'll have those numbers for you. And there is a cafe called Keep a Cat. Cafe, and that allows you to do just that. Take a cat home with you if you like. We're telling you about that, and also a special pet training center. Those stories and more coming right up. All right, so the U.S. and Taiwan has this new initiative and where they're going to be working hard to exchange um, talent in terms of education and professionals. And one of our most famous um, tech giants spoke there today, right, Paula? Right. The new initiative is called the Talent um, Circulation Alliance. It was actually um, initiated by the American Institute in Taiwan, which is um, the de facto U.S. Embassy in Taiwan, and so the so the TCA or the Talent Circulation Alliance held um, a Talent Circulation Summit um, Tuesday in the in the southern city of Kaohsiung, and TSMC. <clears throat> I'm sorry, TSMC founder um, Morris Zhang was invited to give a keynote speech. Well, um, Zhang mentioned that in his speech that he um, he lived in the States for 36 years um, besides receiving um, college education and uh, education. He said that the thing he learned uh, in the States the most um, is um, world vision and how to be humble. He said mm. because that's because Taiwan is a very small island. He often um, hears people, especially um, those who are in their 50s and 60s, mention that, oh, when I was in, at National Taiwan University, NTU, which is Taiwan's top school, Taiwan's flagship university, and people always mention that, but it seems like, um, you know, getting into NTU is the peak of their um their career, their mm. lives. And Morris John said that's not the case in the state. That's because, um, you know, America is a big country and people know that it's a big world. There are a lot of talented people. So you have to learn how to be um, to, how to be humble. And he, so he said that, well, he, his, his life in the States, um, you know, taught him a lot. Was he him. born in Taiwan? I mean, was he, did he grow I, up in Taiwan and then and then go to the I States for education? I think he was born in China. China. I think yes, he was born in China. Right, but he received his college education in the States. He went to MIT, I believe. I think yes. he went to MIT, Stanford, and... Right. One other uh, amazing school, right? So, <laughs> so of course, he, when he, when it comes to talent uh, circulation or t or talent exchanges, he thinks that's really a good idea because um, when he founded uh, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, which is the world's uh, largest silicon foundry, he said that. Um, 
um, TSMC's company has it has more than 20 senior managers. Half of them received college uh, college education in Taiwan, and after they graduated from college, they you know all went to the states to um, pursue masters or PhD degree, and they did some work in the states, and they returned to Taiwan. They all started from the entry level and they move up to the top. So he said that, you know, the talent exchange is really important. Mm. Well, I think he's right about um, being humble because mm-hmm. I think that the more you know about the world, the, the more you know how little you are, right? Yes. And I think that um, even a degree, it doesn't guarantee anything. You mm-hmm. know, like some people maybe in, in Taiwan, an NTU degree is, is a really big deal. But if you go out in the world... Um, it's not that big a deal, I guess. Yes. <laughs> so, um, what do you think about that? You were educated both. Both of you guys were educated in the states, and also in Asia. What do you guys think about? I was. Uh, I grew up in Canada, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, well, that's what I meant, North America. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the education in both areas have their their strong suits, and mm-hmm. it's pretty important to 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 sort of not limit yourself to what you get taught in the class you know to absorb i think it's a culture of university right mm. that that uh, the, the culture of critical thinking and, and and getting different perspectives that's really important and to reflect on whatever perspective that you had before so yeah i totally agree. i mean he's on he's in his position for a good reason he clearly has a has a, a vision that's far and above a lot of other people that's so. true yeah. very hard to replace someone who thinks at a different level right oh yeah it's not Definitely. just a degree that he got or that yeah. anyone has. What about you, Paul? You were in the States for... I, I think um, it's good that today's young people have a lot of opportunities. And the government is also encouraging young people to do, you know, exchanges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people like to, whether they travel abroad or do working holidays or study abroad, if they can, they, they mm-hmm. try to do that. So um, that's a good trend. And I think this initiative is great because I think that the U.S. also sees that Taiwan has a lot of great talent. We have a lot of well-educated people, um, smart, hardworking people, and and especially in the tech industry that they can work together, right? Right. um, Taiwan also wants to attract foreign talent. Right. So we can work together to build a lot of great opportunities for, for both sides. This high school student who won a Global Photography Award. This is uh, a nice uh, piece of news here. Yeah, sort of a, a nice feather in his cap, you know, to start off his uh, uh, photographic career if he chooses to pursue that. Uh, the young gentleman we are talking is uh, Mr. Huang Yuechen. Oh, he's only 20 years of age. Uh, he's from the uh, Donghai University. Mm. He's two photos, one called Disconnected. As you can see right here, here's a uh, this, uh, black and white uh, nice. copy of it. It's a how do I describe it? It's a photo with a very clear line uh, as uh, uh, running across the photo is a, a I think the silhouette of a young girl standing in a distance, right? I mean, she seems disconnected from the environment. Uh, there's another one called a mess, which is again a silhouette photo of two people sitting in a dining hall, a mess, right, uh, with, with all the empty tables around them. So he won in the in the mobile phone uh, contest category of this year's IPA, the International Photography Awards. Um, there are 22 uh, photographers from Taiwan who were selected uh, in the final round, and he's the one who won. So good for him. He. Um, 
he was fairly surprised. He said, uh, you know, he, he didn't really in, in, intend to win any awards or to take it seriously, but he, he has gotten uh, to the habit of snapping photos and, and, and to, to record moments that touches him. And clearly the photos he, uh, at least in my eyes, snatched were, were very, very good. I mean, this, this young man is very talented, to say the least. Well, it must be good to win an international award. And yeah. it's good to see Taiwan, you know, excelling, people in Taiwan excelling, not only in the science and math fields, but also in the world of the arts, huh? Yeah. Okay, now let's enter the world of pets. There, uh, there's a cafe that made the news recently called Keep a Cat Cafe. It's a cafe in Kaohsiung. And um, it has a very interesting concept. Um, they're about... Guess how many cats are in the cafe, by the way? 30? 50? Yeah, about that many. More than 30 cats. So uh, you can uh, go there and have uh, some coffee, some snacks, and then you can hang out with different cats and you can play with them. And they encourage you to do so. And there are all kinds of games and toys that you can um, interact with the cats with. And if you um, happen to bond with a cat, you can take it home with you. Oh, oh just like that? You don't have yeah. to... You can adopt them. Yeah, actually, they hope that people adopt them. And it's different than adopting from a shelter. You don't have to fill out a lot of surveys and a lot of papers. Um, they're already um, healthy, so they have all the, you know, their... The vaccinations? Yeah, and everything in order. Okay. And it's a very... Um, they want people to to kind of meet, you know, the cat first and, and forge a bond and, and basically adopt them. They found that this is actually a better way of introducing cats to owners than um, if they have never interacted before. Oh. So what do you guys think of this idea? Would you like to go there? That, you know, that sounds like a great adoption idea. I'm not sure if that sounds like a great idea for a cafe, you know. Uh, I, I, the, you won't go there for the food. Right, because the, <laughs> the question of hygiene and smell does come into place. But I think for shelters or, or other places that help people adopt animals or, you know, cats, it's a great idea to, like, give people some coffee to, to let them actually spend some time with the animals before they make decisions. Yeah. Because I think every shelter, at least the ones I've seen here in Taiwan, like, you go and you sort of select, you know. From, you just look at it and maybe, like... like a minute or like a couple yeah, minutes at most. True. Yeah, you don't have a lot of time to really make a, a well thought out selection. So there, there is a cat cafe in Taipei, but I don't think you can adopt. There are quite a few there. cat yeah. cafes. There's one actually right where I live too. There's like usually like six, six or seven cats in there. Mm-hmm. So it's not a new. Uh, cat cafes are not a new idea, but this is the first time I heard of a keep a cat cafe. Mm. And they opened two years ago. Um, they were founded by uh, two roommates from college, two ladies. And they started raising stray cats together when they were in college. And so they had this idea of um, a cat adoption cafe. And since it opened, they have been able to help 130 cats get adopted. 130 cats, well. So it's pretty successful. It's, yeah, it's a pretty good idea. Mm. And they seem to be doing pretty well. Um, Paula, you have another story about pets, right? right? Tell us about this. It's about street dogs. Well, the southern city of Tainan has opened a vocational training center for street dogs. And they opened the center in April. And since then, the center has offered training to hundreds of strays and found jobs for, for them. Wow, because that's that, wonderful. It's a, it's a vocational training center. It's a job training center. So, you know, they found, uh, for example, some dogs um, later became a police dog. 
um, other dogs became a campus dog or a god um, dog, depending on their personality. Right? This is actually a win-win situation for all because the city government um, it solves the problem you know faced by the city government if there are too many strays on the streets and uh, and also some animal shelters are overcrowded and also it's good for the strays because they they have new owners they mm-hmm. have a job and they're pretty happy you know you can't keep all of them you know in animal shelters and uh, sure. if they are not able to you know move around easily I, I saw the video to that. It's much better than an animal shelter. I mean, oh, it's yes. a spacious it's a area, better. and then they get trained, right? So they have a lot of attention, and they get developed. Their talents get developed. I mean, right. this is great. The city government actually, you know, takes um, job training for stray dogs seriously because they build up facilities, and they also you know, offer training. They actually hire three experts to join the team. And one is a vet and the two other are dog trainers. So they actually, you know, they, they do a pretty good job. That's this is a great hear. idea. Yeah. They should spread this throughout Taiwan, right? And yeah. I don't know that there was such a need for dogs, though. I mean, in terms of jobs. I don't right. know. There's so many jobs out there for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a campus dog is a great idea, too, yes. right? I mean, yeah. I think it... For kids, if they there's a dog on campus that, you know, they can play with and that's theirs, I mean, it's, it's something fun to look forward to, right? right? And the dog gets a lot of love as well. So, Jake, tell much how much exercise we are getting here in Taiwan. Uh, more specifically, how much exercise uh, employees employees get in Taiwan? Employees, uh, oh, right. not students then. Right. People this are is uh, yeah the latest survey uh, done by Yes One Two Three, which is a local, uh, I think, uh, job site. Uh, they surveyed more than 1,500 current employees or workers who are currently working. And among them, this is a pretty healthy number. Um, over 58% of them say that responded by saying that they have a habit of uh, at least a re- somewhat regular exercise schedule. And uh, the average time uh, for those who do exercise that they spend per week is around 91 minutes per week. So not a heck of a 91. lot. 91, wow. Yeah, so about one and a half <laughs> hour per week. You know, so that's like maybe three half-hour sessions or something? Right, throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not too bad. Could be more, right? But right, I think it's, more, a, but... it's a reasonable start. Uh, this also brings it to uh, several questions regarding to business. Uh, and it turns out they spend about 3000 new Taiwan dollars on average, those who work out, uh, to buy sports, clothes, accessories, and, and different things. This is a month or a year? Or? Uh, this is a, per year. Okay. And, and that, but when you uh, um, take the total number of people who will be working out, uh, you know, if the sample is representative, then we're looking at it close to 16 billion new Taiwan dollars. Oh, that's a lot of money. Worth of business, yeah. I mean, that's uh, a lot of money and a lot of jobs that you could you could generate. So, um, interesting interesting figures. People um, like to look good when they're exercising, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you feel better about yourself if you're wearing something you like. You look good and you feel good and you're more likely to, you know, it's a positive cycle that you, you generate from there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, more than half of the people, I guess these are people, I think, between 20 to 50, roughly. Uh, who are currently working, who who need to work out, because that sort of keep you in shape physically and, and mentally too, you know? We need that. I mean, yesterday we were just doing a story saying that we are the second most high-stressed um, society in the world. In the world? I'm not, wow. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at least we're getting some workouts here. <laughs> really, the stress. Yeah, it's a great stress reliever. 
Yeah. Uh, would you guys like to exercise? I think Jake does, right? You like? Do, do you still do cycling and then um, uh, not as going much to the gym cycling, and all that stuff? Gym, yes. Yeah, cycling, probably not. Yeah. Cycling, not as much. Right. So, gym is always a great place to be. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great place, I guess, to rest your mind before you go home. Between sort of between home and work, you know. That's true. Yeah. I usually do it after dinner, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I don't really I exercise that often, but I did. I do a lot of household chores. Household chores, <laughs> like doing the dishes. All right. So, well, it's always good to get exercise and move our keep ourselves active, and it, it's a good way to relieve stress, right, and, yeah. and to stay healthy for the rest of our lives. story of a uh, generous 90-year-old man in Taiwan, and uh, he made the news recently because he heard about a family in the news and um, that was very poor, so they're having their difficulties. And he lives in Tainan, and when he heard about this family of six, um, he took a trip all by himself not even knowing where they live, but he knew that they live in Zhanghua County in central Taiwan. He took a bus from his home to the train station and from there to Zhanghua. And when he got off the train, he asked the locals about the poor family and nobody knew who he was talking about. <laughs> and he showed them the newspaper article. And then so they took him to the police station. And then they found out that... Um, the family, actually, it, they are a very needy family. Um, there is one 30-year-old father who's surnamed Chen, Mr. Chen. He has three young daughters, age seven, five, and three. He has a disabled father and a blind mother who has oh. a mental illness. That's a lot of... Uh, so he's supporting five people, well, six people, including himself. Yeah. So that's a lot. And they, they live in like a hut, not even a home, basically, mm. a straw hut. So when he heard about their story, he said, I, I want to meet them and I want to give them some money. So um, that's what he did. He went all, all the way over there. And then uh, the police station um, linked him up with the project manager of an organization that's helping this family. And they took him to meet this family and he gave them $10,000. The, actually, the um, NGO said, no, don't give him money. You know, you keep it for yourself. He probably needs the money himself. But he's like, no, I really wanted to give them money. So they took him there and, um, and he gave them the money and they were really, really uh, grateful. So, so he's, he, he's 90 years old? He's 90 years old. I mean, that's very adventurous for a 90-year-old right. man. Yeah. And he's got a big heart. I mean, you're not knowing where you're going. I would be a little bit nervous about that, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's a nice story to end the day. And, well, not really to end the day. We actually have a couple more wonderful shows for you. Ear to the Ground and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes is coming right up. But for here in Taiwan, I'm Natalie So. I'm Jake Chen. And I'm Paula Chow. We'll see you next time.
You don't often hear English in Taipei, but when you do, it's often the recorded voice of a woman. In today's Ear to the Ground, I'll introduce you to Taipei's electronic woman, and of course, she speaks Mandarin, Taiwanese, and Hakka too. Having a job in radio in Taiwan often leads to other opportunities, things like doing translations or hosting gigs or even recording voiceovers or narrations. It, it seems like people are always looking for native speakers to help out with something related to English. And I've been very fortunate over the last decade and a half to help out with a lot of different projects, big and small. The voiceover work in particular has been a lot of fun. Yes, of course, doing recordings of all of the words in electronic dictionary can be tedious work. But once you're finished, you have a product to show for your efforts. Voice work for corporate videos or films that introduce scenic areas can also be a lot of fun, especially if a friend of yours happens to discover your work unexpectedly and you get a call asking, were you the voice of the video that they show at the national park? There can be some downsides too, like the time I recorded the audio guide to a local historic site only to find out that the production company had sped up the recording so that it fit the allotted time. I still haven't heard that one in person. I'm afraid my voice probably sounds like Chippendale, you know, the Disney chipmunks with the sped-up voices. There was also the time a former colleague at RTI, Shireen Wang, and I did the recording for a local chain of steak restaurants. Apparently that time, the production company made a poor quality recording, or maybe they forgot to press record altogether. I can't really remember at this point. But they wanted us to go back and re-record it for free. That was a little overrated. One of the funnier moments came when I was recording the voice of a man in a condom commercial. It was kind of a racy advertisement, and I'm sure that my face must have been red the entire time I was recording. Through the years, I've met a fair number of people who do voice recordings. Some people specialize in English teaching materials. Other people prefer to do commercials or voice work for films. Many of those recording artists have come and gone, but one voice has endured all of these years. It's the voice of a woman named Terry. I haven't seen her in maybe five or six years, but I certainly have heard her. You can hear her voice on the MRT, that's the local subway system. You can hear it in commercials, and you can even hear it in Taipei's buses. She has an easily distinguishable, broad American accent. It's a pleasant voice, and it's taken her very far through these years. It was Terry's voice and the voice of all of the other women who record the Chinese, Taiwanese, and Hakka voices in Taiwan that gave me the inspiration to record this sound postcard from October of 2004. There she is, calling out number 491 at the post office. And she's on the subway pulling into Gongguan Station. That's her on the phone directing calls. And now she's encouraging me to insert money into an easy card machine. She's everywhere these days. 
I've encountered her at the hospital, in convenience stores, at department stores, inside ATM machines, in elevators, near escalators, and she speaks English now too. Please retrieve Easy Card. And Taiwanese and Hakka, the language of the Amis tribe, and even Japanese. She's busy too, prompting us at every turn. Some might decry a society which has allowed the spread of such an impersonal noise, but in a quickly developing world populated by confusing visual messages and the bizarre mechanical beeps and clicks of modernization, it's almost refreshing to have an almost human voice helping us to navigate our surroundings. The caption on today's sound postcard: Taiwan's electronic woman. Thanks for joining me for this little journey into the world of my friend Taipei's electronic woman. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Explore the beauty of Chinese and Taiwanese traditional music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. Hello and welcome to this week's jade bells and bamboo pipes. I'm Carlson Wong, and today we'll listen to music composed by Liu Xin. Liu Xin was born in 1962, and he started to learn Yue Qin which is a kind of moon guitar with Feng Xiaoxian at the age of 12. And he started to work as the director of the Chinese Orchestra of the Youth and Children Activity Center in 1985. So without further ado, let's listen to the first piece of music that he composed, Still Clouds and a Solitary Crane.
Still Clouds and a Solitary Crane, composed by Liu Xing. And the musical instrument Zhong Ruan is also performed by Liu Xin himself. A little bit about the Zhong Ruan, according to the Wikipedia, is a Chinese plot string instrument. The Zhong Ruan has a straight net with 24 frets on the fingerboard and four strings. It's usually played with a platform. It can also be played with fingers, which is similar to the way of playing the pipa another instrument which I think you're familiar with. The composer Liu Xin to me seems very philosophical after you heard Still Clouds and a Solitary Crane. And now we'll take a listen to another theme which I think is very philosophical, Sam Savra.
This is Radio Taiwan International. And again, you're listening to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong, and today we feature music composed by Liu Xing. Liu Xing was born in 1962, and as a composer, he wrote many small orchestral works, and these included various ensembles for plucked string instruments. The first edition of Zhongruan Concerto, Reminiscences of Yunnan, comprised of one movement, was completed in 1984. Zhongruan is a Chinese plucked string instrument, which I mentioned earlier in the very beginning of the program.
drifting clouds and flowing water. And next, we'll hear a solitary flower in love with itself. I didn't actually know what it means in the very beginning. Like I said, the composer Liu Xing is very philosophical, but after you hear this, you will probably understand. The content of the music is like, I'm only saying to myself, loneliness is just a subjective feeling. How do I present myself to reflect my inner psychology? I'm afraid I may even lose my last self-respect. I'm also referring to people in general. And now here is a solitary flower in love with itself. Enjoyed listening to music composed by Liu Xing, and also the Zhongran musical instrument is performed by Liu Xing himself. Thank you for listening. For comments and suggestions, please write to PO Box one two three one nine nine Taipei Taiwan, and our email address is rti at rti tw. And again, RTI is short for Radio. Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening once again, and I'll see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.